To our new passengers, aloha and welcome. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone, and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. The show will begin momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast, provided on our own version of the information highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking please. Thank you. Dave's Disney View is a look at the Walt Disney World Resort and sometimes beyond, as seen through the eyes of Dave, a frequent visitor, a one-time cast member, and an engineer who simply enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. Now, please keep your party together and put on your virtual mouse ears. And by all means, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. This week on the show, I want to kind of take a different bent and talk about, well, it's Halloween time, so I want to talk about Halloween. And to do that, I brought along a guest, and we're going to talk a little bit about Halloween at Walt Disney World, but more about the Haunted Mansion. My guest is uh, Christy Peterson Schoonover. Uh, she runs a, a blog and uh, has several books in the marketplace. And Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, Tales from Haunted uh, Disney World. And it's available at Amazon, and uh, you can check it out there. Uh, you can also visit her blog, and I'll put a link to her blog on my, uh, on my podcast show notes so you can find it. It's christypetersonschoonover.com, uh, but uh, make sure you get the spelling right. So anyway, I'd like to introduce Christy and bring her on the show. Christy, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Dave. How are you? I am doing fantastic. You know, you're, uh, the name of your book is a bit of a mouthful, but uh, it uh, looks like an interesting read. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, they are um, ghost stories set in Disney parks. Um, and the reason that I chose Skeletons in the Swimming Hole for the title is that they mostly focus on Poe, Edgar Allan Poe's whole concept of guilt, um, as a supernatural trigger. Uh, those who have read The Telltale Heart, those who are familiar with The Fall of the House of Usher, uh, you know, we're, we're haunted by things, not necessarily ghosts, but things in our past. And the whole point of this book is... You know, we can all go to the happiest place on earth, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the things that bother us are not going to follow us. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, I think there's five, this is terrible, it's my own book, but I think there's five or six stories in there that focus on that. I am working on a sequel. Um, I have about 20 more uh, in a drawer, so that will be coming out. It was supposed to be 2012, but it's going to be 2013 now because there's a lot of work to do, and I have another novel getting published by a large house um, in that's coming out in November, so I'm just kind of jammed with that. But um, but yeah, so that's what the book is about, and uh, you know, it's for I would say for 13 and up. Um, moms really love it because they really feel like it's written more for them. But uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback. It's been a lot of fun. That's very cool. Um, yeah, I have to check out a copy of the book myself. I was just uh, perusing your site and kind of reading some of the stuff you have on there, and I, I really like the concepts that you're, you present, so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the book. Oh, thank you. Yes, oh, and it is available on Nook, too. I just found out this morning. I'm oh, cool. working with a company to get it up on all the platforms, 
So right now it's in print, Kindle, and Nook, and it's probably on other ones too. I just haven't checked yet. <laughs> I understand that. So you're obviously a Disney fan. Uh, you, uh, we, when we first talked, you were you were telling me you you know you're you're a fan of Disney. You like going. You enjoy it. Um, and your your background here, you know, one of the things we talked about was the Haunted Mansion and uh, kind of getting into the Haunted Mansion and its uh, you know sort of its incarnation and the things that go on at the Haunted Mansion because there's a lot of backstory that happens there. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of the backstory at the Haunted Mansion. Well, I totally can. Of course, um, when the Haunted Mansion, there's a book called uh, The Haunted Mansion from the Magic, from Magic to the Movies or something like that. Um, and we do know that when the Imagineers started to put together the Haunted Mansion, they, according to this book, they sat around and read many, many classic ghost stories in order to get some symbols and some ideas um, and then they sort of threaded it together into an overall story. And, you know, anybody who's a Haunted Mansion nut, uh, you know, doombuggies.com is a wonderful website. There are plenty of websites out there that talk about the overall concepts of the Haunted Mansion and as a complete story. Where I got fascinated um, being such a ghost story guru and devotee, I got really fascinated because I started to realize riding through this ride again and again and again that there were many, many uh, individual stories, in many cases my favorites, that were referenced. Um, you know, for example, just recently they put, they, they redid the bride's attic scene, at least in Walt Disney World, they yep. redid it. And there is one shot, or there's one uh, vignette in there, of course, of the bride. And right before you get to her, uh, there is an oval portrait. It's a portrait of her and one of her deceased husbands in an oval portrait. Mm -hmm. um, there is a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it's lesser known than The Telltale Heart, than Fall of the House of Usher, than Pitt and the Pendulum, but it is called The Oval Portrait. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing a whole series about this on my blog, but The Oval Portrait is about a young bride who marries a man and the bride basically, you know, starves herself to death. She goes nuts. Hmm. So if you really pick apart that short story and you look at what is going on in that scene and you think about it in terms of a metaphor, they basically, it is the oval portrait. Disney's put its own spin on it, but that is definitely the story. That's cool. Um, you know, <laughs> there's all of these very specific references, like, for example... Uh, Poe's Oval Portrait is a story within a story. You know, it opens with the narrator and his valet stumbling into an abandoned mansion for shelter. Um, and he basically finds this portrait in a turret. Well, where are we in the Haunted Mansion when we encounter this portrait? We're in the attic. So there's a parallel That's, there yeah. in that it's a far-off, high-up place. Um, that's one of the things. Also, the oval portrait's frame is described in the story as richly gilded and filigreed in, in moresque. Um, another term for moresque is arabesque, which is a type of uh, symmetrical scrolling. And it usually consists of some kind of foliage. If you really look at a photo, there's Daveland. If you Google, if anybody's a Haunted Mansion fan, they should know about Daveland. I think it's DaveLandWebs.com or DaveLand.com. Uh, and he had given me permission to use photos from his site for my blog for this upcoming series that I'm doing. But he's got a beautiful picture of this oval portrait that I'm talking about. And you can clearly see 
that there is that exact scrolling that Poe describes in the oval portrait on that frame. So when you really stop and think about this, what you're getting is a ride through probably hundreds of classic ghost stories in little teeny pieces all through the mansion. Um, that's one example, and I could spend an hour just talking about that one story. So I don't know if you want to move on to something else. Um, but it's called Edgar Allan Poe's The Oval Portrait, and you can definitely get that online for free if anyone wants to read it. So That's cool. Um, and that's the thing that I find amazing. I, I, read, that, uh, I read the book you were talking about, the uh, Jason Sorrell book um, from the Magic to the uh, Parks to the Movies and, and back. And that was really pretty cool. Um, you know, he does a nice job of kind of going through the history and how they really did read all these um, these old ghost stories to try to build up the philosophy of it. And there was always that contentious part about, do we make it humorous or do we make it, you know, macabre in some way? Right. Um, and so, the, you know, you, you have this sort of mix in, in, the, uh, in the attraction. Um, and that, that's kind of what makes it cool. And that, uh, the, the additions you talk about in the Haunted Mansion are very, very interesting, I think. Um, I think that uh, those changes really make it a more sophisticated ride in some way and kind of blend the balance just a little bit more uh, between, the, between the humorous and the macabre because they, they, it, just, it goes a little bit toward the macabre, but it still has that sort of feel to it. It doesn't feel dark and ominous necessarily. Well, and in any ghost story, um, of course, I write many of them, and I'm starting to get commissions coming in now, which is also really nice for various anthologies. But in any ghost story, it doesn't have to be solid uh, terror. You know, you do, that's why I find it so interesting, too, what you're talking about, adding the humor. You do sometimes need that little bit of a breakup, that little bit of a humorous something to break that tension. Because if you're keying up the reader and you're keying them and you're keying them and you're keying them, you know, sometimes the tension isn't always as effective unless it's broken a little bit. You, you have to learn, as a writer anyway, you have to kind of... Um, feel out the emotional ride of whatever story you're creating. And while constant tension is wonderful, you know, sometimes even just a funny comment or a funny character or something can break that and bring the reader down just a little bit so that they're more prepared for the next scare, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does, and that's, that's kind of interesting because, yeah, that's, that's, what ma- that's what makes, I think, this attraction unique. And if you've, if you've ever been to any of the other attractions in any of the other um, uh, countries, actually, the, the Haunted Mansion, well, the one in, in, um, in uh, Paris is completely different. Um, and it is much more macabre, I think. And they, the, the humor is there, but it's, it's, a little more, it's a little more subtle, the humor. They turned it around. They turned it on its ear a little bit which I, I find kind of interesting, just the, the, way they, they, the way they twisted it. Well, yeah, there is a lot. I, I have not ridden the one in Paris. Um, I can't wait to. It's just like, hey, jump on a plane and go to France, <laughs> which isn't going to happen anytime soon. Understood. Uh, but I have seen you know, various video of it, uh, and I have seen plenty of photos and, and images of, of what's in there. And what's very interesting about the one in Paris is that they focus less, I think, on the use of the, the grotesque. Uh, I think part of the Haunted Mansion, at least in Disney World and Disneyland, I think part of the relief, the comic relief, um, is the intro- is through the introduction of the grotesque. You know, uh, for example, uh, you have the caretaker uh, toward the end there. And in Disneyland and Disney World, you know, he looks sort of bug-eyed. You know, he looks sort of silly. He almost looks like something you would see, like, in a carnival. Yep. You know, which is why we're always fascinated, I think, too, with the whole idea of carnivals and, and circus freaks, for lack of a better term, and all of that, because it keys into the grotesque. Um, I think in Paris's version, what I've noticed is it's, it's much more serious, 
Uh, it's less grotesque. It's much more focused. I mean, there are some very frightening um, images in, in the one in, in Paris. I mean, particularly when you're going through that last scene, I guess, when there's been an earthquake. Yes. Yep. Just disturbing. I mean, all I saw was the pictures, and I was having nightmares. And I never in my life have had a nightmare from riding the Haunted Mansion. That is not true. I just lied. Um, <laughs> when the original bride was in there, the first time that I wrote the Haunted Mansion, which actually I was an adult. I was like 30 by the time I wrote it because my parents were very protective of me and they would never let me go on it. Okay. Because I had such a crazy imagination and they knew I was going to grow up and be a writer and they were like, we don't need to scare her with this. <laughs> but when I wrote it when I was 30, I was terrified by the bride. I mean, I had nightmares for weeks about the heart beating and the wall and all that. It was, it was terrible. Um, but I did just buy the action figure of the dead bride. I figured I might as well add it to my collection. So That's kind of cool. And that's the other neat thing about Disney is they, they know how to merchandise, and they've put some interesting new things out there uh, related to uh, the Haunted Mansion that, that hadn't been out there before. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, well, I'm very grateful for that because when I was a kid, you know, there were so many things that I always wanted to get. You know, you wanted that Haunted Mansion thing. You wanted, mm-hmm. like, my favorite Disney cartoon film is The Rescuers. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted stuff from The Rescuers. And, you know, I think they've finally gotten smart in the last few years, uh, putting out the princess costumes, putting out the Haunted Mansion collectible. Oh, I agree. You know, so those, because that connects us all. It's not like, okay, I went to Disney World, and these are my choices. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, or, you know, Goofy. Right. And it's like, all right, well, really? Yeah, what about you those know? of us, yeah, who like something a little bit different, you know, a little off the beaten path? Right. <laughs> No, and that is kind of neat because uh, I remember growing up, my, my brother and I, we used to go and try to find all the Haunted Mansion stuff we could find, and there, there wasn't much. Um, and it's, it is neat to see that there's so much more now. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's pretty cleverly done, I think. You know, they do a nice job of kind of covering it. Yeah, they definitely do. They've really done a, um, they've really done a great job. Oh, I just found that website I oh, was perfect. talking about. It's um, www.davelandweb.com. Perfect. Okay. So that and they, he's really good. Like any attraction that you want to look at over the years, it's wonderful. He's got pictures of everything. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I just went to the site. I'm looking at it. They have some really nice. He's got some nice pictures of a lot of different things in there. Yeah, he's he's very professional and really cool. Um, so looks like he's got some inside connections too from some of the pictures I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is always a good thing. Always good. Always good. Now that's cool. So, what else can you tell us about the uh, about the haunted mansion ride? What other what other tidbits do you know? Nuggets do you know about behind the scenes? Uh, some of the stories. Well, I'm you know as far as if you want to talk about in relation to ghost stories, um, yeah, you know that the caretaker and the dog that you see um, that is a reference, I believe. Um, and of course, I say I believe because my background is in academic research. So, okay. you know, I'm always throwing theories out there. I'm not so sure that an imagineer said, oh, let's use this story. Because, you know, a barking dog, uh, that always kind of shows up in, in various different stories, particularly when you're talking about the Victorian, you know, the Victorian stories, um, Robert Louis Stevenson in particular. Um, but the caretaker and dog, I believe, um, is a reference to Robert Louis Stevenson's The Body Snatcher. Hmm. And uh, at the end of that story, uh, the body snatcher is about a pair of medical students, and of course they are, um, you know, stealing bodies for for medical purposes. Right. Um, the last scene in the book um, is it, it reminds me of the last scene in that short story. Um, in the tale's final scene, 
they're trying to make their last cash. They're digging up this body, and they're in this gated rural cemetery. So there we have the, the presence of the gate. We also, in that particular uh, scene, if you look at the vignette in the mansion, you kind of get the suggestion that it's rural. You know, there's lots of bushes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're out there with lanterns and shovels, which, of course, is what the caretaker has. Um, and then you hear this dog barking. Uh, and hmm. I totally believe that that is probably where they got that reference because that last section of that short story is very famous. And I'm not going to ruin the twist at the end. <laughs> um, you can go out and find that again online. Um, I believe you can even get a copy for free if you own a Kindle. Um, but again, because it's a classic, it's out there for free. Um, also, the skeleton in the coffin. You know, if we go back a little earlier in the ride, mm -hmm. uh, that is just classic. Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, you have this skeleton in the coffin, and he's screaming, you know, let me out of here, let me out of here, please let me out of here. Right. Um, while the dead rising from graves is pretty common in the horror story canon, the specific image of a skeleton rattling his coffin lid is a direct allusion to an Edgar Allan Poe piece, uh, The Premature Burial. Hmm. Um, and for those of you who haven't read it, um, there is one passage in there, uh, which is kind of neat, um, where Poe talks about uh, the, the woman has died, and, and she's rattling her coffin lid, screaming, let me out of here, let me out of here. Hmm. Um, so I do believe that that is a direct reference in addition. Yeah. Um, and if you've seen, of course, uh, any of the kind of adaptations of the premature burial with the coffin lid and the, you know, um, you know, uh, like the Ray Land version, yep. um, or any of those, the premature burial is very different. Um, most of the film adaptations that you see, they kind of build a real story. The premature burial is more like a whole bunch of like sort of false newspaper reports that he was inspired by, and then he kind of puts them together. Okay. So it's, it's very different. Hmm. Um, we could also take a look. One of the interesting things, I, I could spend a year talking about the portraits. <laughs> yeah. The changing portraits. Yep. But my favorite is the ghost ship. Um, and I had written a five-page paper on the ghost ship because I believe that that is a connection to um, Coleridge's The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Hmm. Because that is a ghost story, and right. that really is about a mariner who's haunted by his own guilt. And if you look at the stages that the portrait goes through, it actually follows the three different sections, or the three different sort of, because it's not divided into three sections, it's divided into more, but the three various stages of what actually happens in that epic poem. So, you know, just a brief overview. <laughs> that's, that's cool. I mean, you know, because, you know, some of these stories are familiar to me. Um, some of them I've read, some of them I haven't. But, you know, the, the, I think the collective consciousness, you know enough about these stories. You know, if it's a well-known story, you've heard tales of it somewhere in your life. Right, exactly. And that, that's what makes it kind of interesting. You know, and as you were talking about the, um, the coffin and trying to open the coffin there and, and let me out of here, I was thinking there's, there's also a raven that's in that scene. Yes. Um, kind of another connection to Poe there in, in a way, you know. Yes, there's another connection to Poe. And in the cemetery, uh, just before you get to the end... If you look, I think it's well on Disney World, I'm kind of remembering it over to the right, um, just beyond the opera singer, like, or near, like, in that area, mm -hmm. there is a wall, and you see a skeletal arm with a trowel. Yes. Okay, right there. That's a reference to the black cat. It's a reference to, um, what's the other one, uh, uh, the cask of Amontillado? 
Okay. With the mortar where he's walling up, you know, the guy. Yep. So, you know, there's also a tombstone in there that says, uh, my glasses run. Uh, that is a reference to a very famous uh, poem, uh, Tichborn's Elegy. And uh, it's, um, the message is simple enough. The line comes from a poem called Tichborn's Elegy, and it was written by Chidiac Tid Tichborn, or Tichborn, I'm not sure. It's spelled T-I-C-H-B-O-R-N-E. Okay. And shortly before his execution, because he was practicing Catholicism in a time when doing that in England, you know, was punishable by death. Hmm. And so the last line of the poem is, um, my glass is full, and now my glass is run, and now I live, and now my life is done. Interesting. So that's on one of the tombstones. It right. says, my glass is run. And that's right before you head out in Disney World. It's on your right. Okay. And you really have to look for it, because it's like behind, it's sort of like a little bit behind a couple of other stones. But, All right. But yeah. So, I mean, there's this is what I mean. They specifically... That's a True very one. famous line, but let's face it, it's a little er- esoteric. Those Imagineers were digging. Oh, I, I believe so. I mean, you know? <laughs> that, that's the thing about it. I mean, the, 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 the couple of guys that work on it whose names escape me at the moment, and I'm sorry, uh, just it's one of those moments for me, um, where they really did have some clever, you know, very clever ideas and in, insets in there. I'm, when you read Jason Sherrell's book, you know, one of the things he talks about is how they set up a room upstairs, right. um, and they were doing the work. And they were, you know, the, the cleaning people wouldn't even come in there because they were just, they were so into it at that point. Yeah. You know, they'd read all the ghost stories and were setting up all these little gimmicks and stuff. And it, it just, you know, it was very, very creative in that sense. So I got to believe that they were reading these stories and really had some insights. Um, I have to agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that, and that's what makes it the, the whole thing so neat is that, you know, these Imagineers, and I, I, I broaden it to any attraction around, you know, di- any of the Disney properties. They really thought it through. It's much more than just a ride. You know, it's not just, you know, I'm going through, I'm going to see some, some ghosts and whatever. There's a much more sophisticated story that's happening kind of behind the story mm-hmm. that I think makes it really interesting. You know, it, because there's a, there's a whole storyline here and there's a, there's a whole interplay. There was, for a, for a long period of time, there was a lot of discussion, as I recall, about the um, Haunted Mansion in Disney World and what the, back, what the true backstory was. Right, right. Whether it was, you know, the, sh- the, the widow because the ship had gone, you know, the man had been lost at sea or whether it was, you know, she had killed her husband or her husband had killed her or whatever. Um, there was always that question about what the real backstory was. And to me, that makes it even more intriguing because you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just an old haunted mansion, and there could be any one of a number of stories that make it work. And it just kind of flows for me in that sense, where it, it makes it really kind of fun um, because it's very imaginative. Like you said, your parents kept you off of that ride um, for a long time because your imagination runs wild. And I've dreamed about that ride so many times, that one and others, where there's just so much creativity that goes into it. You can take the story to so many different places. Oh, you totally could. And like I said, the connection to the original ghost stories, you know, that they came from is fascinating. I mean, I've often thought that would make a great academic little book for me to work on. Like, you know, just talk about each story, each image in the mansion. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and do an academic study on it. I mean, you know, you even think about things like the rotting wedding cake. Yes. Which you do see in the attic, but also, you know, all the dead people in the ballroom and they're blowing out the birthday cake and and the the wedding feast. You know, that's an allusion to uh, Miss Havisham in um, Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. Ah, yes, very good. You know, the man never came back to her and she just sat there in her rotting wedding dress with the rotting cake and and everything and all the rotting food on the table I can't help but think that there was definitely some allusion to that in there, that that, 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 had, that was a suggestion. 
That's that's cool because you know that and that's really you know that's really it because you know you look around and this in a sense you know if you took it if you just took a look at it from the outside the storyline doesn't kind of make sense in some way okay there's a bride and there's a there's a ballroom and there's stuff going on there and you got the guy coming out of the coffin and you got the the the, the tombs in the back you know the graveyard in the back and in, in a sense it, it doesn't really fit together in a way um, but if you really look at it you know as the storyline and it's just telling it's it's taking all of our all of our stories everything that's all these. Um, these, uh, you know, uh, these haunted tales and so forth, and putting them together and weaving a tapestry of a storyline, it really does make sense. It's, it's really kind of neat because it really does takes that creative flair to it. Um, you have to do so much more. You have to do so much thinking about it. I mean, you can ride through and you can enjoy it, but if you really think about it, it makes it makes like so much more sense. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, you know, the more I think about it, the more interested I am in looking at it again. I want to go ride it again. I'm like, when can I go? <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Well, when I move to Orlando, um, I'm pretty sure that I will be riding it a lot because if I if I do what I want and eventually plan on actually putting this book together, mm-hmm. um, then I will be doing a lot of research on that, and I'll be doing a lot of you know writing. There's just so much there. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it's amazing to me. I mean, even even the um. The way they changed the the uh, entry queue is kind of neat, but you know there's these little things at the exit queue where you have all these these tombs and these uh, different things there, and you have the pet cemetery, and there's just all these interesting things that are there that are so subtle, yep. and yet so much a part of everything. Right, exactly. That's what makes it. That's what that's what I love about uh, about that ride and Disney. Um, just the way you can, you, like you say, you could spend years writing another book, and uh, you'd still probably would only scratch the surface. Exactly. I think that's very cool. So we'll look for that other book for you from you in the next couple of years. Oh, you definitely will see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. Uh, my guest today is Christy Peterson Schoonover. Uh, you can find her website at uh, christypetersonschoonover.com, and I'll put a link to it on my uh, on my show notes page. Um, and you can find her book. Uh, it's uh, called uh, T- uh, Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, Tales from Haunted Disney World. Uh, you can find it on all of the uh, popular sites, uh, including Amazon and uh, many of the um, many of the download sites. Uh, so you can check it out. Um, looks like a really interesting read, and I, I do have to get a copy of it and start and start flipping through it. I got to tell you, now that I've now that I've talked to you, I'm like, wow, this is cool. I got to I got to know more. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Christy, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. And that is my podcast for this week. So remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. From all of us, thanks for taking a listen to the podcast today. If you're standing, please hold onto the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the show stops completely and the doors open. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your personal belongings, watch your head and step, and take small children by the hand. As this concludes our journey, we hope that you enjoyed the show and that you drive home safely. Our thanks go to Doug at geekacres.net for his contributions to the show. And also to Craig for the original music you hear on the show. You can find Craig's music over at ReverbNation.com slash sound A. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the show, please feel free to contact Dave at DavesDisneyView at gmail.com show notes and links to other great content on the web can be found at disneypodcast.net now i will raise the safety bar and a podcaster will follow you home <laughs>